0: And so this morning I'm going to be taking off what I spoke on Wednesday night in abbreviated form, and I'm going to be adding to it, and I'm going to be talking to you about this morning. But I want to I want to go back in time, and and this may have been you when you were a little boy, uh, but I'm going to go back into the life of Dwight Hensley. Wes, good to see you, dude. Uh, I'm going to go back in the the day when I was a little guy, and I was the guy that when I went out when the day when the sun came up in the summer and we weren't in school, I was outside if I was outside, I was in the creek catching crawdads. How I many of y'all know what a crawdad is? How I many of y'all know what a mud puppy water dog is? You want, yeah. Anything, if it was in the creek, I was picking it up. I'm just picking it up. I was lifting up stuff. I never got into snakes. You know, Hensley's are known for their snake handling, and, and his church used to be a snake handling church up to three months ago. and That was a joke, y'all. Anyway, but I was outside getting dirty. And the reason that my parents allowed me to go outside and get dirty and get hurt and all those things is because that's what it requires for you to grow up to be the person you're supposed to be. Now, I remember going to school with little boys that were never allowed to go outside, and they always came to school and they were little sissies and they were kind of a little little pathetic, little examples of what a male was. And if you bumped them, they would run and tell the teacher, How many of y'all like those kids? I didn't like them. I didn't like them. I love them today, but I didn't like them much then because, (laughs) okay, Lord, I get get it. But there's one thing about those little guys is that those guys were never supposed to suffer pain. How many of you have scars on your body? Anybody have any scars? Man, I have scars all over. I do. I have one out here in my cheek. I was chasing my brother with a BB gun until he turned around to chase me. I've got stories about shooting him, don't I? But this was one of those other times. And he was chasing me, he was going to beat me up, and I jumped off this porch, it had been raining, my feet slid out, slow down Dwight, my feet slid out from under me, the butt of that gun hit me in the mouth and it put a hole through my cheek. That's a great scar. I've got a big cut on my shin when I was older. That's not a good scar. But I've got them in a variety of places that had to do with living, had to do with being a little boy. Yeah, I burned my hands with smoke bombs. I burned my fingers with matches and and picked up stuff after I lit it for a while. I wonder if that's hot yet. Yeah, it was hot. It was hot. You ever dropped a soda can in the fire and go, oh, my goodness, I shouldn't have done that? You reach right in to pick it up. You know how long it has to be in there to get hot? Not very long. I've laid in the floor with my hand in a bucket of ice because I couldn't sleep because my holding in my thumb. Y'all really don't care, but my point is this: every one of us have had to deal with pain to some degree. Unless you were that little boy that was always protected, he was never allowed to go get hurt, go climb in the tree, get poison ivy, get stung, whatever. Those are parts of life. Those are part of growing up. And when we have people that never go through pains or go through any discomfort, and we're always trying to protect them from it. They never learn how to deal with life right. You know that little boy or that little girl that doesn't ever want to share? Now, they, none of them want to, but the one that never learns how because mommy and daddy always provide a way out for them to get what they want. That person is a brat and they never function well in society because everything is still all about them. Are you with me yet? See, it's the things we go through in life that make us who we're supposed to be. So those scars that you have and those hurts that you've been through and those things that have went wrong in your life, there's nothing wrong with that. You needed that. You needed to be your heart broken. You needed to have your feet kicked out from under you. You needed to be in ball practice and get elbowed in the eye and lay your eye open and black it. You needed that. You needed to turn your ankle playing ball. You needed to get strawberries diving in home on your belly. You needed that. That's part of growing. Is anybody in agreement with that? We need those things. Man, when you're a dude, after ball games, you go pull on your pants, have that big strawberry? I got one that big. It's, a, it's whatever. But we learned, and it's part of our past. Could you imagine being here this morning and never being hurt before? Not having any scars. Never having any hurts. You would be a pathetic example of, a, of an adult if you've never learned how to deal with pains so i'm going to tell you what the opposite of pain is now this is what happens to those people that always people are making excuses for and i'm going to be honest with you this is going to be a non-excuse type message i'm not you're not going to leave here feeling like oh man he was so full of compassion because i'm not going to be bringing a compassionate message and there's a word that we hear today and we think of it and we often want it at times but the opposite of pain is pity and pity doesn't do anything to better you now this is what you do when your granddaughter comes and she wipes out, or, or Walker, when he gets over and he wipes, wipes out and he gets blood on his knee and it's, it's terrible, I mean it took a layer of skin off and he's crying, and snot's coming out in tears and he's crying, I'm going to wipe it off, kiss him on the head, I said go back at it, go back at it, don't come in the house and sit on the couch and watch Nickelodeon, don't give him a little computer thing or, or videos to watch, get back out there and learn to deal with the what? The pain. Some of you are in here this morning, and you've got all kinds of pain going on in your life. How do you deal with it? Let me tell you what pity does. I'm just going to read my list, or I'll never get to the gist of the message. I've known people that were always given pity. They're not really uh, the best people to be around. Here's what pity does. Others' opinion of us is what happens we always want somebody else's opinion. We always want somebody else to do whatever, to give us compassion and to get us out of it. Self-justifying behaviors. Pity brings excuses for mediocrity. Pity always is looking for, some, always looking for somebody else to, to bail me out. Let's stop here for a minute. Pity is I'm always the victim, and nothing's ever been fair in my life, and nothing's ever went my way, so we're always looking for somebody else to come into our life to fix us. Pity is not a good thing. It may be for a couple minutes till you get the blood wiped off or the stitches put in and the bandage put on or the cast put on. Wednesday night, I shared with you when I was four, I was about four years old, my brother just started kindergarten. And, and I remember I was outside playing on the swing set and as all boys are, you want to know how far you can go to get hurt. Anybody ever done that? Have you ever seen how far of a ditch you can jump over without landing in the water? Have you ever tried to see how far you can swing on a grapevine before it comes out of the tree and you land? Have you ever tried to do, you ever took the knives and did this? Now that's stupid. But guys do that for some reason. And then when they stab themselves, man, did you see that? Okay, let me get back to my story. Where was that, honey? Oh, I've lost my wife. That's terrible. Pity's not good. Always looking to bail me. I had a story, though. It was going to be a good one. Oh, hanging upside down. My mom was in the house. We lived in a pink and white trailer with little flower boxes. Have I ever told you that story before? Oh, we had a white 10 by 50 or 12 by 50 trailer. We lived down in Tennessee and outside of Knoxville in the Powell area at a place called Bogana's. And uh, we lived there in this trailer park. And we had the trailer. And had my swing set outside. And, and I, my brother was gone, so dude, I, the, the world was mine. It was me and my mom. So I go outside to play. And I thought, oh, well, I'm going to get up on the top because they used to hang on those little, you know, the arms that go down on the swing set. and There's a little bar here. I hang on that all the time upside down. No big deal. I thought, I'm going to climb on the top of the swing set. You know, it's only six foot. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to climb up and I'm going to hang upside down. So here I am, a four-year-old outside. Can any of y'all get a visual? That's why there's not a lot of hair because I landed. But I got up there and I'm hanging. And when you're a boy, it's not tough enough just to hang. you got to start seeing only how far I can lift my legs before I fall off. So I'm hanging like this. I started lifting my legs and catch myself, you know, whatever. Finally, they went too far. And I wasn't a smart four-year-old, obviously. That's pretty obvious. And and things didn't improve a lot over the years. But one of the things I did find out was you never hang upside down over that carriage made for two. You don't hang over that because if you do and you hit it wrong, you break your collarbone. It's a little word to the wise. Was that the last time I ever hung upside down? I doubt it. But I learned an important lesson My mom didn't sit and hover over me to prevent me from getting hurt. She allowed me to make some decisions to hurt myself and then learn from them. I remember wearing that confined. If you ever had a broken collarbone, you wear this thing, it doesn't matter. Pity is always looking for somebody else to bail me out. Pity is when you stay in bed all the time when everybody else is out working. Pity is when you stay in bed all the time whenever all the other kids are outside playing. Pity is complaining when someone else does perform... When someone else does perform as we want, I don't know what my point was there, but complaining is you are always got something to whine about. you always got some reason why you're not achieving what you need to achieve. It's always somebody else's fault. And I'll be honest with you, I've heard a lot of complaints over the year, and a lot of this stuff with people who wanted pity. And I'm not a great pity giver. I'm just not. And I don't really think that Jesus was a great pity giver. Do you remember whenever, remember the time when, a variety of times with Christ, but even go to Acts 3, whenever, um, Uh, Peter and John were walking into the temple, and they walked in there. This dude's begging alms. Remember the 10-cup message I did a few months ago? And he's holding his 10-cup out for them to give alms or put money in. They didn't look and give him anything. They looked at him, not that they were being rude, but they gave him a solution. Now, stay with me. Many times, pain is our solution to the pity. I don't know if I'm connecting or not, but... But that guy figured out something. His pain, there was a solution, and it wasn't in the tin cup. And when they spoke to him and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. Pick up your mat and get moving. He got up, and he began to leap and walk. His pain had been an element in his life, and I'm not going to discredit pain. Because every one of us just about in here have experienced some pain through relationships and through hurts and through things that went wrong in our life. Pain reveals the weak spot, and I'm going to be honest we were up there and I heard Brian Houston begin to speak about pain the end of his message. And he began to talk about the importance of pain. And, and I'll be honest, I, there's many times over the years I've sat and wondered, Lord, why have we went through what we've been through? Why have we experienced and why have I personally went through some things that I've went through over the years? Now, I, I tell stories all the time and, and most of you have heard most of them. And every now and then I'll dig one up from back in here that you haven't heard. But man, from the time I was a little boy falling off of of the swing set and some other things that happened as a little boy. And as I progressed on, there was a lot of hurts and disappointments in my life. But one of the things I learned about from my mother and my father is that you deal with your pain. You don't run from it. You don't make excuses for it. You learn to deal with it, right? Because what happens when you don't learn to deal with the pain you're going through, you begin to make excuses and you begin to neglect the growing up that should be going on in your life. So this kind of birthed out of some things that Brian Houston had said in our meeting on Tuesday. Pain reveals a weak spot. Pain makes us aware of a deficiency somewhere in our life. I showed some of you, uh, it's kind of gross, but this past week I've had gout and I've never had it. And I'm not going to show you, but I will show you my sock. This middle toe, this long toe there beside your, your fat toe, has looked like, It looked like Jacob's shirt back there. It's just been as red. It's crooked like a witch's finger. It's been the weirdest looking thing ever. And you know what? All week long, you know what I paid a lot of attention to? The place there was pain. So you know what I've tried to do? I've tried to get rid of the pain in the toe. i paid attention. There's something wrong. There were some crystals in the joint. I began to take some different medications to get rid of it. And in our life, we have to be aware of the deficiencies. Pain produces a determination to beat the pain. Isn't that true? Pain is a universal element. Pain builds a passion to overcome things. Your capacity for pain, and this is one of the quotes by Brian Houston, your capacity for pain will determine your potential for growth. Man, when he said that, I'm grabbing my phone, I'm writing notes, I'm going, boy, isn't that the truth? Because we've been through pain. We've had marital struggles. We've had tons of financial issues. We've had some health issues over the years. She's had some neglect issues from her husband. She's had some times in her marriage that I was more consumed about work or more consumed about hunting than I was being home. And that was a hard element for her to deal with, and it was a pain that my wife dealt with. And when we think about pain, we often think of just about an injury or somebody said something bad about you. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm so used to people talking bad that hurt doesn't really mean a lot to me anymore because I've had some people one week pat me and tell me they love me, and then the next week they don't love me so much. That's just the way it is, but your capacity for pain, and I don't know how to tweet, and I don't know how to do hashtags, I don't know how to do Pinterest, I don't know how to do, that was a joke, I don't know how to do those things, but I'm going to tell you this is a tweetable, if you would, by Brian Houston. Your capacity for pain will determine your potential for growth. Oh my goodness, how true that is. The pain that you've endured is to make you stronger, it's to make you better, it's to make you wiser. It's to make you a better person, a better in man, a better woman. And often we look at our pains as just an in service or an injustice that I've been through things. And friend, it has nothing to do with you being singled out and picked on. It's having to do to make you to be the man you're supposed to be. I know what it's like to get phone calls from the sheriff's department. I know what it's like when your daughter's 15 to get a phone call from Poplar Bluff Police Department that your daughter's over here smoking weed with some other teenagers from your area and they were in a motel room and found out later my son was the one that was old enough, the oldest one, to get in my motel room to stay in so they could smoke the weed. How dumb was that? Pretty dumb. But I'll tell you why. that's pretty disheartening over the years, all the little hurts. But one of the things that I've known is that God doesn't change and that the, the pains and the hurts... Make us stronger. And so the things we've been through and the hurts we've been through hopefully can encourage you with where you've been or where you are or maybe where you're about to enter into because often we can sit back and watch the pain other people are about to go into. I do have scripture and I'm going to get to the message of that part in just a minute. Pain makes us work for answers and these are just four little things. Pain makes us work for answers. Pain makes us work for direction. Pain makes us work for success. And pain also makes us work for a healing. Go to the book of Genesis if you want, chapter thirty-nine, and we're going to talk about someone who went through a lot of pain, a lot of uh, emotional hurt, and a lot of things, the injustices of life. And you know who it is. If you're in the latter part of Genesis, you know you're going to be talking about Joseph and. Begin to think about how often we're in the middle of pain because of something that was said or something that was done, and what happens? We become paralyzed in our pain. And so for the next 20 years, instead of getting out of that element of pain, you're going to settle and live there because your life is so unjustly, unjustly treated or things didn't go right, and look at them, it hasn't affected them, but look at me, I'm still where I've been for the past five years now. Does that make sense? Scripture teaches us about every area of our life and things that we deal with. And in Genesis chapter 39, we have a guy by the name of Joseph. And Joseph had, uh, had been the favorite kid. He had been the, the special one in the home. And verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph, and he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, I'm going to tell you, whenever he was taken by his brothers, and when he was taken by his brothers and he was uh, sold into slavery, he was 17. From the time he was 17 until he comes out of prison, Later down the road, he was 13 years later, he was 30 years old. But let me tell you something, the reason I picked this passage is because in the midst of betrayal, in the midst of being sold, in the midst of being put into prison, verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and he showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the jail keeper. Let me tell you what happens in the middle of pain. There is an ability to get through it if you allow it. But if you don't want to allow you'll be there the rest of your life. And I know a lot of people that have been in the same place for the past 30, 40 years because they can't get past the pain. It's ridiculous. My life is too important and it's too valuable for me to allow a pain, a hurt, a disappointment, something that was done to me to keep me trapped to where I've always been in the pain. You may wake up every morning with the same thought over and over again. Really? Is that really the way you think God designed you in the beginning? Pain is one of the greatest ways for you to look above and beyond where you are to get to where you need to be. If you ever, I don't know if you know anything about Lou Ferrigno, but I remember as a young boy, back in the day, how many of y'all used to get J.C. Whitney magazines? Anybody ever get those? when I was a kid, I used to get those and dream. Now, this is back in the 70s when... I was like two years old or something. And, but back in the 70s, okay, that was not the truth. But back in the 70s, I remember getting to J.C. Whitney Magazine, and in the back, it said, oh, all these guys doing this. And you get this potion to take it. And I always wanted to get that potion to drink it, whatever it was, and make me be like those guys. I never got any, obviously, did I, honey. Anyway, that was bad. Okay. Joseph's life, I'm going to give you kind of a rendition of some things that took place. He was loved by his father and spoiled by his father. You know that little boy that every time something happened today, oh, come here, honey, oh, let me tell. oh come here, let me love on you. You don't need to go back outside. You might get sunburned. You don't need to go back outside. You may, you may go fishing with your, your son over there who's 12 years old, and he throws a, a rooster tail out there, and he gets it stuck, and he pulls it back, and he goes into his eye, and he's got a rooster tail hanging out of his eyebrow. Don't go over. Don't ever go back out. And I went, God, late, and bless his old poor, pitiful heart, at 12 or 13 years old, I started rubbing his head and kissing on him. No, I didn't. I said, let me get it out. Don't, don't you interrupt And so I couldn't get it out because he was such a baby because I babied him his whole life. He goes, I'll get it out myself, Dad. And Layton finally became a man at that point. He grabbed that rooster tail and backed that barb and all out of that eyebrow. Six months later, he went and got him an eyebrow thing stuck in there. And so what happened was Layton finally became a man because I quit babying him and let him get it out itself. This was not supposed to be humorous. It's just kind of working that way for Layton. All right, he was spoiled by his father, he was taken and stripped of his clothes basically by his brothers and thrown into a pit with intent to kill him, but then his brother sold him as a slave, and he was forgotten by everyone. In chapter 41, go a little bit farther over and go down to verse 46, verse 46, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and he went out through all the land of Egypt. Let me tell you what happens with pain. It may take you a little while to get through the results and the consequences of your pain. But if you'll focus it right and you remember who your source is and you'll remember who your maker is and who your forgiver is and who your God is. He can take you over a period of time and it may take a little while to get there. But if you will... He'll take you from a place. I gave a guy a song, a guy by the name of Sam Zook. I gave him this name. I said, dude, you need to write a song from the prison to the palace. And I remember after I said that to him one time we were doing Bible study, he wrote a song from the prison to the palace, and it was actually quite impressive. Did you ever hear his, Ruth? Pretty impressive song. But what happened with the pain that Joseph went through after being a spoiled little late until he was 12, 13, sold at 17? He came into himself, and he came, became the man that he always was supposed to be. And often we look at our lives and think that we're not supposed to have it. Friend, you need your pains. You need those life lessons that hurt. You need those things. And they may not be fair and they may stink. And you may say, you've never been The friend. I've been through a lot of places you've never been. So learn from your pain. Grow from the pains and the things you've been through. He was now 30. 13 years had passed with loneliness, rejection, isolation, discouragement. And you know what else he was left for 13 years to do? Question everything. And you may be here this morning because of the injustices of life and how it's happened and things that go on, and you begin to just go back and reminisce and reminisce and reminisce. And the thing is, every time you question a little more hurt or maybe another nail in your coffin, you just keep tacking them around. Eventually, you're trapped in the coffin of pain, and you never think there's a hope or a way out, but there is. There is. So now he's there. It's amazing after his faithfulness, even in the midst of all these things, his faithfulness, God turned these pains from bondage into freedom go to second corinthians if you will in chapter 12 i'm going to read brian houston's quote again your capacity for pain will determine your potential for growth you can talk to anyone who has endured life lessons and become successful as they've had to learn to grow from the things that fell short in If you want your marriage to be better, there'll be shortcomings. They don't have to be catastrophic, but there will be some shortcomings. But let me ask you, how do you deal with the shortcomings? Do you want the pity side or do you want the pain side? Neither one really, but they're going to happen. And how you deal with them is going to determine what your marriage is like. 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, your capacity for pain will determine your potential for growth. Here's Apostle Paul. His former name was Saul. He was a hater of believers, and he was abusive, and he killed people, and he, he, he actually condoned killing people who were believers in Christ. Verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that he might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in what? How critical is it that you can recognize that you don't have all the answers? You don't. And you may think you do. And you may think, well, because of my experience or whatever my schooling is, you have all the answers. No, you don't. You don't have them all. So Apostle Paul was one of those great intellectual guys. And so the Lord said, "My, my grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities... That the power of Christ may rest upon you, rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm made strong. How many of you have ever had to do rehab before? Anybody ever had surgery and you had to do rehab? Anybody? Is the rehab fun? The rehab is intensive and it's long. And rehab lasts a lot longer than just the healing part. The thing about the, the rehabilitation, I remember, you've heard this story a hundred times, and, and it's not that I don't remember telling it, but I have a hundred times. But when I was, uh, we were young, we were 25, 26, 27 years old, we were working at the assembly in Jackson, Missouri years ago, and we went out on a, honey, have I told you this before, story before, went on a Royal Ranger camp out, and uh Had all these boys out there, and we all like to hunt us guys. And so some of us were gonna bow hunt early that morning. When we got done, then we were gonna go with all the guys and cook and all the things we did outside. And so I'd been bow hunting and I didn't do any good. So I come back in, and all the boys are swinging over this ravine. How many of you have ever heard this story before? None of you. Great. I'll tell it fresh and the new. And so we're, they're all swinging on this grapevine. Now, how many of y'all remember? And this one kid's about my size. He was a teenager, but he's pretty heavy. And I thought, man, if he can do it, I will. So he said, Brother Dwight, come and swing I said, I don't know, guys. Yeah, come and swing on I said, it'll probably break with me. So I went and checked it, and Mike was on there. And, and so he pulled on it, and it didn't come down. I said, all right, I'll try it. So I got back, and I launched over the ravine. And out of the top of the tree came the rest of the grapevine with me. So I go to the bottom of the ravine. I land on this wrist and hit a tree with my back and my head. Had a slight concussion. <clears throat> broke my wrist. I looked down, and my hand and arm are back here. It's straight across here and back. And I, looked, and I couldn't get up because all my weight was on this broke hand. So here I am. I'm not good with blood and breaks, and, so I'm freaking out. I'm on, I went cussing. I am just freaking out. So I hollered at this guy named John Seaball. he came come down there and a bunch of men come pick me up. And I'm carrying my arm together. It doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm a wimp, sissy, baby. So i go up the hill and, and uh, go have surgery. I'm going to get off this story, honey. All right? I'm going to move on. Growth. <clears throat> Paul's reminder of, of his pains is what kept him focused. No one is exempt from them. No one enjoys the pains. But everybody wants deliverance. And in this passage, we see these things, exactly what's going on. But in verse 9, it says that his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So I use my weaknesses to teach me what I need to be and who I need to be. I'm gonna, I'm almost done. I'm going to make reference to the book of Judges in chapter 16. I've only got two more places to go. In Judges chapter 16, there's, there's a lot of us, we try to cover up our pain. Have you ever known those guys that I remember when I went to... Um, up to Brooklyn, New York several years ago, up to uh, Bill Wilson's ministry, Metro Ministry. And I remember the first three days were, were um, it was miserably hot. Man, it was so hot and miserable. And I, I was, it was the worst experience of my life the first couple of days. And I wanted to come home, and it was, it was miserable. I was a big crybaby. And I see all these inner city kids there. And we would go in the chapel, and then finally the sun would go down. It would kind of cool off some. And, and I remember the second night we were there, one of the girls spoke. And I'm going to go quick on this. But she spoke about being sexually abused. And I thought it was kind of random all these little kids, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and she's talking about sexual abuse. And as she began to talk about sexual abuse and what she'd been through, the girls began to break. She, she began to share that all these little girls in the inner city, most of them who experienced this, is from a stepdad or an uncle or the next door neighbor in the apartment. So while I'm sitting there watching, she said, I want all you girls who have ever been sexually abused, I want you to get up and come and sit in the aisles in the front. Almost every girl that was in that group, these are inner city kids in Brooklyn, Bronx, Harlem, whatever, they bust them all in. And I watched all these little Latino and little black and little white and little Jewish girls all come up there, and they'd all been abused. Most of them suck on their thumb, which is another big indicator, I was told, that they suck their thumb a lot when they've been sexually abused for emotional reasons. And I began to think about the hurt they went through. And they came to Jesus, and everything began to change because many of them are still serving the Lord, and some of them now are working in the ministry who was little kids back in the day. It wasn't just them, but there was a guy, when the teens came a few days later, this first kid come in, you could tell he was gangster, he was a Latino kid, come strutting in his baggy pants and all of his muscles and all the stuff that he thought he had. I remember him walking in, he would look at everybody, staring everybody down. I thought, I mean, this kid's going to kill me. I'm going to sleep at night and I'm going cut, cut my throat or something. And I'm watching him, and the first day or so, he was so full of anger and just things. And one night, when we were going to bed, I just kind of opened things up, and we began to talk with all these teenage boys. And he began to break. And he began to break. And all the hurt and all the disappointment and all the junk he'd been through, he began just to break and cry. When he went to bed that night, I watched this tough teenage kid get in his bed and put his thumb in his mouth and begin to suck his thumb. And an amazing what we try to cover up. There was a guy in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, chapter 16. And he was the guy that I told you about earlier in the J.C. Whitney magazine. He was Mr. Atlas, you know, the big guy with long hair and muscles and things. And his name was Samson. And Samson, he went through his life covering up his issue, covering up his pain, covering up his justifying, whatever you want to say. But I'm going to close with just one more passage after this. Stop trying to cover up your pain and begin to find out a remedy for your pain. Stop trying to cover it up and cover it with all this other stuff and all these excuses. Samson was not at all, he was at an all time low. He was humiliated. He was weak. His name was ruined. He was mocked. And now he's blind. And in chapter 16 and verse 22, there's one phrase, and you can look at it Judges 16 22. It says, howbeit his hair began to grow. Let me tell you what happens in pain. And it doesn't matter where you are this morning, what you've been through, how low you've gotten and the hurt and disappointment you have. Even, even in the midst of your greatest failure, whenever he humbled himself, the Lord began to cause his hair to grow. As he began to, his hair began to grow, something began to take place. He began to get power, empowered again. He was strengthened again. And something began to take place in Samson's life. His greatest victory was in verse 30. Our pains will never end, but our pains but also should always keep us extremely honest. I'm going to read one passage from the book of Psalms, and this is something I wrote in the two seniors who were here Wednesday night. I wrote in both the books that Brother Wall had given them, I wrote this passage. If you have your Bible, I'd like you to go to Psalms 119 and verse 71. I remember um, <clears throat> probably one of the worst spankings I ever received I was about probably 11, 12 years old and my dad pastored Lighthouse Assembly of God in Mount Vernon, Kentucky and, and uh, we got out of church and my brother was always he was I was always the good one, he was always the one causing trouble and, and we came out of church and we got to a fist fight out on the sidewalk Have of you ever been to church and watched a pastor's two sons get out on the sidewalk and get in a fist fight you ever seen that before? it wasn't very good and uh, the worst part about it is about the time we got done, dad walked out and caught us. My dad was furious. He said, I'll take care of y'all when, you get, you know, when I get you home. Well, that was bad news. I remember going home and forgetting. It was summertime and I was about to get myself wore out. I put on my shorts, put my t-shirt on, I was going to go ride my bike. Dad goes, Dwight, Marty, out on the, out on the carport. Well, where we lived, there's lots of hollers. You all know what a holler is? It's something you yell in, and everybody else hears it from about a mile away. And we lived up on this ridge in Orlando, it took us out on the carport, My just bought my mom a new couch. So we went out there, we leaned over the back of the couch, and he commenced to put straps on the back of our legs. I yodeled so loud, people almost a mile away heard me bellering because I was squalling. And my brother's too tough. He's one of you guys that fucking deal with the pain, not me. Dad hadn't even got the switch out of his hand yet, and I was crying already. I was all, go. <laughs> okay. I was trying to prevent the pain, y'all. You can see what kind of sissy I am. Let me tell you what was good about that. That spanking completely changed the way I behaved at church. If my brother was wanting to fight, dude, I'm going to the other side of the church. I'm going to mom. I'm going to dad. I'm not getting in trouble again. I'm not getting switches again. Let me tell you what David said. And this is what's so important in your life and mine that we embrace this. Verse 71 says, it was good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn your statutes. You know what happens when you got a lot of pain? You know when you have a kidney stone and you can't hardly stand up and you can't move and you're throwing up and you're trying to get to the hospital and you're pulling over and throwing up and you're hurting so bad, you can't hardly function. You know what you do when you're hurting like that? What do you do? You're in prayer. Absolutely. You see, when pain gets intense enough, you turn to the one that can kind of bring you some direction. David said, I was glad for the affliction. I was glad for the chastisement. I'm glad that something went wrong to get my attention. And friend, the pain is always there to get your attention. And it's there to change something. That loneliness, that hurt, that unforgiveness, whatever that is, friend, there is an answer. If you'll seek for the answer and quit wanting pity, you'll get through it. You'll get delivered. You'll have have understanding that you've never had before. Does that make sense? Man, we serve a God that knows what pain is there for. You need to understand what pain's there for. It's to make you better, to grow you from this place to this place. I feel like i got a lot of you puzzled, and I don't want you to be puzzled. I don't want you to be puzzled. I want you to understand pain has its purpose. It doesn't justify wrong things, but it sure does justify how we deal with the things that have been done.